sacrificing um, in their lives to, um, to spread the gospel. And really, that's a, a lot of what we've been talking about here. Um, of course, we just came through our series where we really emphasized our, our church vision and our mission and everything else is to love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. And, you know, I'm convinced that when people do that, just thoroughly, I am thoroughly convinced that when people do that, that their lives are better. Just am. I don't believe that um, that vision that God dropped in our hearts so many years ago was, was um, just fancy words. You know, I mean, what we do as a church, we, we emphasize this idea that we love God, and that mainly takes place in our Sunday services. We have two identical twins is what we call them, our, our, our two identical twin services that take place. We have one, on, one at 9 o'clock and then this particular uh, worship experience at 11. And we are convinced that, that a key factor of what we do as a church is to, is to help people focus their attention just for a little bit, to help people focus their attention. We want people to know God by us offering a session where you can love God. I think that's important. I think that there is a call to the church to do certain things. We, uh, we love to connect with others. I think that is a vital part of, of us finding freedom, that there's just something about when we connect with a community for encouragement and accountability, that when we know each other, that you can actually come to church here and somebody knows your name. We, we, all, we all want to, um, to live the cheers song. I want to go where everyone knows my name. We, we, you, people need to group. Matter of fact, um, none of us are good on our own. Even God said that. So if you don't like that, then talk to him about it. Um, you know, I mean, did he not say, it is not good for the man to be alone? This is not good. And so we connect with others, and we serve with excellence. We don't, we don't want people to serve just to uh, be doing something. We want people to serve that it produces excellence not only in their life, but the excellence that pours out of them that we do things excellently so that we can affect and touch and help other people. And I believe that Jesus Christ, working through the local church that has that kind of vision, is the most strategic answer to everything that is happening in our world right now. I mean, seriously, there's a lot of stuff happening in our world right now that makes headlines that isn't very happy. And I think that that's a bold statement to say that, that in all of these things, all of these happenings in our world, there's so many people that are, that are living in fear right now. There's a lot of talk about terrorists. People who induce terror on other people. This, this world is shrouded by this cloud, this dark cloud of, of, of fear and and. Violence and confusion, many areas, depression, pain. And in the midst of that kind of world, 
in the midst of that kind of circumstance. See, we don't live in a different world than even the early church lived in. I mean, you look, just read the Bible. The Bible is filled with a lot of horror stories as far as society is concerned. You know, Jesus Christ did not come to a sanitized world when he came. He, He stepped in the middle of a mess when he came. He was born into a mess. And yet that's the world that the church was planted in. And the church has always been planted in that kind of world. The early church faced terrible persecution. There was sickness and there were tragedies. And there were all of these things that were going on. They were were faced with this very evil government system in the Roman Empire. It, it wasn't a, a pretty place, and yet that's the world that the church was birthed in. And so when we look at our world today and we look throughout the history of the church, uh, you know, I mean, I, I really don't think that, that we could have this testimony that, well, you know, things are just so bad today and the church is not effective because the The world is so bad. No, actually, the light of the church is brighter the darker it gets. The effectiveness of the church isn't waiting on the world to get better. The effectiveness of the church is waiting on the church to wake up. And there are churches that are awake and there are people everywhere that are awake. But I think that we as individuals, especially, you know, I mean, you can, we sort of live in Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? That is where we live, right? Where y- Y'all look at me like, huh, where's Oklahoma? Anyway, you know where the wind comes. Is it whistling? Is that what it is? The wind is whistling, sweeping. The wind don't sweep here. The wind roars. The, the, the wind snow plows here. That's ridiculous. Who wrote that song? They need to be, they, did, they didn't live here. Was that Rodgers and Hammerstein? Where'd they live when they wrote that? New York? How'd they write a song about Oklahoma and New York? Sweeping. Wind comes sweeping. What, what, what even is that? Help me out, somebody. I mean, sweeping down the way. Down the what? <laughs> Man, I, mean, I need to shut up. My Texas is showing today. Holy smoke. That's terrible. Lordy. Okay, I'm going to get off Oklahoma songs as a Texan. Hey, but y'all know what? The, 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 <laughs> the, the second most beautiful site in Tulsa, Oklahoma has gone up at Tulsa Hills. Now, the day when you leave church, if you want to see the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you need to drive north on Highway 75, and there's a restaurant there called Texas Roadhouse. And right... <laughs> And flying from the Texas Roadhouse is the Lone Star Flag. Oh my God, now they're going to start heckling me. What is this, comedy club? Somebody help me out. The church. Oh, I can get back on my subject. Don't worry. Don't worry. I I know I did. I know. I know. I know. I know. And I'm going to end it right now, too. Oh my goodness. No, that is a pretty sight. Oh, anyway, wind comes sweeping. We, we, we live, I mean, 
wind comes sweeping, yeah. It's a pretty good place to live, isn't it, Oklahoma? Not a lot of... Hey, I've been here for how many years? 21. Is that right? I am just an Okie from Muskogee. Yeah, I'll go. Merle Haggard wasn't even Okie anyway. The most strategic answer to everything happening in the world is the church. I mean, we don't, we don't feel a lot of terror here. I mean, there are areas of town that are, but, you know, we don't, not on the scale of the world's terror. There is some fear. It's, it's easy, though, to get very comfortable. Now, I don't know, if I was part of your crew last night, I would have been scared to death that kid riding that bull. But anyway, just saying. But it's easy for us to be desensitized here. It is. I mean, you know, we all expect that the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and we forget that Oklahoma City had a bombing. We, we tend to forget, we, we, don't feel, we don't feel the depth of, of rioting and things. We, 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 it's easy in a lot of circumstances for the church to forget that no matter how comfortable it may be in your environment right now, the church is still the only answer that God gave to fix all of this. You know, Jesus Christ working through the church. Jesus said greater works... You're going to do them. You're going to be powerful. The Holy Spirit is going to empower this church to do something fantastic. And this world needs the church. It needs the church. And there's something about the church, and I think it's important for us to recognize that from the local church, neighborhoods and towns and rural communities and cities are touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the life-changing power that comes with that gospel. From the local church. From the local church, not only do we have this tremendous thing happening in our own context, in the context of our communities, whatever that may be. I mean, I, I, love, I love Triumph as a community because as a church community, we, we are in multiple demographics of people. We have people that strap children on bulls and we... And we have people that live in Midtown. We have what we used to call, now you kids won't know this language, but we used to call them yuppies. Yuppies, yuppies. That's young urban professionals. Yuppies. We used to have, you know, so you have a church that has these, you know, that and that. And, and this broad demographic of people that we can touch as a community, we can. We can minister to um, the yuppie and the cowboy. I love that. I mean, Triumph really does live out some of Rogers in Hammerstein. Can the farmer and the cowman still be friends? 
and we can because we recognize that we're reaching into these we're reaching into these communities and we're from the local church from what we're doing here i think about our prayer Wednesday and people that we prayed for we prayed for you and you didn't even know you were getting prayed for we prayed for God to bless you and for God to help you and keep you we prayed for our young people and so many are represented on these really close to the front rows stepped out there um, before service Wednesday night, stepped out there, and I don't know, there's, there was well over 100 young people. I don't know what the number was from Wednesday night, but it's, it's like 125, maybe 30. It looked like it to me. I'm just walking out there. God bless our youth ministry and those that are out there with that. Stepped outside uh, just briefly, and Pastor Nikki was in her van. She rolled her window down. She tried to run over us, and so she was trying to apologize for that, and and she goes, I'm leaving to go pick up more kids. I mean, we already ran. How many vans we ran? I mean, you know, pretty soon we're going to be like the Filipinos. Let's just bring a dump truck in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what the Filipinos do. They just bring a dump truck in. Their dump truck comes rolling onto the, onto the church grounds there, and we're all sitting there, and, and they open the, the tailgate on the dump truck, and all these kids, there are about 100 kids standing in the dump truck like this. I say, how long they've been standing there? Oh, it took them two hours to get there. They've been standing just like that. They're coming to church. They're coming to church. You can affect change, and you can see through the local church, through what we do as a people, that we have this aim that we want people to love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. We have this aim so that somebody's life, somebody's life can be better. That there's something about that local church. But, but then from the local church, and I've already talked about, I've already talked about the Philippines. We have parachurch ministries that, that we've partnered with, that the local church partners with, that, that even go beyond the borders of our own community and even the, the, the wealth of our nation. That, that, that the local church can partner with people like we do in the Philippines, like we're doing on this trip to um, Africa, we're partnering with parachurch ministries that says, you know what, we're, we will help you have a vehicle. We will give your local church a vehicle whereby your church can actually reach outside of the borders of your community and literally, literally t- take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. What a powerful thing that is when people get together, when people are able to pool their resources together to do that kind of stuff. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it again. We can change the world from here. If you get it in your mind, if you get this understanding in your, in your mind that what we do together is so important, that what the local church does is so important because we have the opportunity. See, I may not be able to do that by myself. I for instance, I, I never had any contacts in the Philippines. I didn't have any contacts in Africa. But because we as a local church have this idea that we can partner with people, see, now we have contacts and we have ways of doing this and we pool our resources together to make that happen. It takes things. I think that that is 
the baseline of the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is saying, I am going to send you. I am going to impact this world through you. Many wonderful things are going to happen. If you will go, you do it, you do it. And if you do it, I'll be right in the heart of it. The heart of the God that we serve is to reach, to reach, to reach. And so when a church has a heart to do that, then thankfully we, we, you know, we come in contact with someone like Dr. John Thompson at, at ORU, who's over the uh, Doctor of Ministry program, and, and he already has this ministry uh, set up for Global Equip. He's, already, he's got the contacts. He's got the, and now there are hundreds of pastors that are going to be impacted. And, and our church is sending not one, but two of us for that. Dr. Tim Ekblad, he's the first churcher. Um, he's also going on this trip. And from this church, from this church, we have the opportunity to go right at the heart of the mission that Jesus told the church, that I want you to take the gospel to the nations and make disciples in the nations. And thankfully, that includes our own neighborhood. Thankfully, that includes that, that uh, person that checked you out at Walmart yesterday. It includes those people. It includes those people because I believe that we as a local church can affect positive change in our world. Our mission as a church to love God, connect with others, serve with excellence is aiming at something. We're aiming at something very, very real. And it is simply this, that we first and foremost want to see lost people saved. All right? And then we want to see those saved people pastored. And then we want to see pastored people trained. So that ultimately, you have trained people that are sent. See, I mean, once we understand this as our aim, and once we recognize that God is in fact calling the church to continue the Great Commission, to go and baptize and make disciples and teach, that God is still calling the local church to say, the mission hasn't changed it hasn't changed. It's the same mission that it has always been. Then something wakes up inside of us to say, well, if we're supposed to be affecting change in our communities and in our world, then, then where does it start with me? Where, where does this idea of kingdom advance start? Where do, where it do in my life, partnering together with people in my local church, where do we together advance the kingdom of God in the world? Well, I mean, the first thing that I want to talk about is the resource of time. The resource of time. That, you know, we're going to deal with a couple of other resources in this, in this series. But the, the resource of time in our life. Do you realize that every one of us in this room have time on our hands? That we all have time. Matter of fact, God created time. And I believe that God created time for us. God doesn't live in time. He's in eternity. He's in eternity. He's, you know, and then he created us. 
And yeehaw. I mean, thank God for time in this sense. If you woke up today and were already in eternity, but yet still living in the fallen world, well, if you woke up with a headache, you're going to have that headache for eternity. God said, no, there's this thing called time. Matter of fact, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. God said, listen, we're going we're gonna to create this thing called time. And the thing that we have to remember and reflect on in our lives is, is what we do with our time is extremely important because we only have so much of it. Now, I know you... Young people, I mean, you look, see, I remember when I was a young person and I looked at a guy my age, I'm 49 and holding, until May, I'm 49, and, and I, I remember thinking, man, that I think, man, someone 49 years old, that's like grandpa, you know what I'm saying, like that old guy, I ain't feeling like grandpa. You know, that's why I wear cool pants. Uh, you know, um, I don't think we realize it. I think the older you get, the more you start realizing, wow, time's a pretty precious commodity. You know, and what I do with my time is extremely important because, you know, you can waste time. You know, I love, you know, I think I've got this right. Cleveland, you can throw something at me if I don't, but, but um, figuratively. But... Um, you know, Clint Black several years ago sang a song, Killing Time, right? He, he sung this song. It was, and it was a big hit, number one hit, Killing Time, Killing Time. I'm just killing time. And then a few years later, I guess he got a little older, so he cut another song, No Time to Kill. You know what I'm saying? It's like the older you get, you're thinking, now, wait a minute. I don't want to spend so much time killing time. Then you think about our lives. Think about, you know, what goes into living, you know? We spend a lot of time doing what? We, we, you know, we have jobs. Spend a lot of time doing that. If you're, if you're younger, you, you spend a lot of time in school. Spend a lot of time doing that. Then we have extracurricular activities that might be connected with that. And so there's, there's uh, you know, softball or or there's football and all of these sports are going on and track and, and you're training and you're running and you're doing this if you're in school. If you're out of school, you're, you're, you're working the job, building a career, spending a lot of time, a lot of time, a lot of time. We sleep. For some of you, that's a lot of time. We take time to eat. We spend time doing that every day, sometimes at a table, some of us in the car a lot. But we drive. We drive. We, we, we go places, destinations. We've got to get there. We've got to get there. We spend time. We spend time doing that. Hopefully, hopefully we've got some play time. Thank you, Lord. Hopefully somewhere in all of that mix is a time just to have fun. You know, I am not one of those Christians that believe fun is sin. 
take time to do that. It take, see, all of these things, all of these th- things take time. And, 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 so, and so what do you do then with this idea of kingdom advance? See, God has given us this resource of time, and, and time is very valuable. The master poet Bruce Springsteen encapsulated the body of his work on an album he recorded in 19, I believe, 81 when it was released, The River. It was a long album. He encapsulated the work of The River in, in concerts this year. They released a box set and he took the band on the road and at the end of all playing all of those songs that were on the river 20 something songs that was on the river album and at the end of playing those he he waxed poetic as he does and he said this he said this and it captured my attention the river was about time time slipping away And that once you enter the adult life, you choose your work, you choose your partner, the clock starts ticking. And you walk alongside of not only the people you've chosen to live your life with, but you walk alongside of your own mortality and you realize you have a limited amount of time to do your work to raise your family and to try to do something good and to try to do something good. The writer of Proverbs gave this exact analogy in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot and a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn. A time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its Time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy, listen to this, and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil, this is the gift of God. That God has gifted us with this priceless commodity called time. 
And that what we do with that time is so very important because God's intent is for us to try to do something good. To try to do something good. And there is no greater good than understanding that we can change the world from here when we prioritize some time in our life for the kingdom of God. Especially as that pertains to the church. Prioritize. Probably the word for the series. Certainly the word for the day. When we seek God's purpose, it is amazing how the word of God speaks back to us that we will enjoy God's reward. Matthew 6 verse 31 says, Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But listen, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, if you will prioritize time in your life to say, you know what, I'm just going to make it a point to love God, to connect with others, to serve with excellence. I'm just going to make it a point in my life to be a part of that mechanism in the church that helps get lost people saved and saved people pastored and pastored people trained and trained people sent. I'm just going to be a part of that whole thing. Why? Because I'm trying to do something good with this marked time that I have in my life, my research source. God said, if you'll do that, if you will prioritize your time to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, I will redeem time in your life for all these other things. Time will be redeemed back to you in your life. If you will will seek God first, then God will make sure that you're clothed and that you have time That you have time to have food and time to have drink and time to be clothed. And all of this other stuff will take care of itself because God himself will put his hand on every aspect of your life if you will just sow from the resource, this valuable resource of time in your life. If you'll just sow from that. Some of you may be wondering, well then, Pastor, how do you, how do you redeem time? you stand with me I'm going to explain it several years ago I was trudging through the masters of divinity degree at ORU with my wife the year became a very hectic year for us here at the church I had some class assignments that were due there were due dates that were looming and I had, I had set aside some time to do those assignments and until I got a phone call on Saturday night of all days. I got a phone call on Saturday night. Say, they, they, they said, Pastor, you, you might ought to come to the church. We have a problem. And I'm like, now, listen, don't, you don't want to have a problem on Saturday night. You, are, you, are you feeling me there? I mean, that's like the terrible phone call. You've got to come to church. I said, well, what's the problem? They said, Pastor, the church is flooding I said, the church is flooding. I looked outside to see if it was raining. Like, didn't know we were in a floodplain. We're not in a floodplain. Actually, what had happened was the city of Glenpool had repaired a water line across the highway. 
And when they turned the water back on, the air that was in that line pushed into our, into our bathrooms. And these front bathrooms have plunger toilets without a tank. And the air from those lines, those plungers, had, they'll sink when the water pressure's off. And it's the plunger inside that mechanism to go, I can't turn the water off. Well, air had gotten on top of those plungers and all those toilets. And every one of those toilets was just running full blast. Just running full blast. And it inundated our lift station to the point it actually burnt, it actually burnt the motors on our lift station. We, we pumped sewage across the highway from a lift station over here. And it burnt the motors up in that. And so now the lift station wasn't, wasn't, pumping water and so there was nowhere for the water to go and so it was just going over the top of toilets and they were just running full blast we don't know for how many hours it had been doing this we have no idea but I do know this water rolled into the auditorium water rolled all the way down these classrooms water all around cascading out onto the parking lot we got here and I'm thinking to myself I don't have time for this and we thought well we'll just push the water out but then I got to thinking you know we might need to call the insurance, something this, you know. I called the insurance, they sent a company out. They told me the number to call a company to come out to restoration. Those people walked in and said, where did this water originate? We said, well, it come over the top of the toilet. Then they red flagged this whole building, said, this is all, this is all hazardous waste. We're going to have to cut all your sheetrock out. Well, I'm like, how much sheetrock? They said, Every, everything that got wet, we're going to have to cut 18 to 24 inches of sheetrock out around this whole I'm like, oh my God, have mercy! I don't have time for this. And, and they were like, now we got to pull some. Pew. We had to pull pews. That we had green pews. I was glad to get rid of those. We had green pews. And so we got to pull these pews, and we got to cut the carpet. I said, you're cutting the carpet out. They said, we got to cut this carpet out. It's all hazardous waste. It's all this biohazard. Come from the, come out of the toilet. Biohazard. I'm thinking, my Lord, have mercy. So, I mean, they worked through the night, and we, we, they, sorry, we ended up having church right in the biohazard mess. We had church because we're just crazy that way. Monday, the insurance adjuster was coming out, and, and um, they couldn't get the humidity level to go down. We used to have a baptistry right there. They couldn't get the humidity level to go down, and so I thought to myself, I'm going to crawl under there, and I'm going to drain the baptistry. Maybe that'll help the humidity level go down. So I get under the stage down here. It's an awkward place, but you got to crawl under the stage. And I get down there, and I go to open the, the valve that, to drain the baptistry, and that pipe breaks off in my hand, and I dump the entire 800 gallons of water right on top of me. Okay? And I grabbed a five-gallon bucket. I was like, I don't know what I was going to do with the bucket. I grabbed it and stuck it under. I'm like, oh, well, it'll catch five gallons of it. I crawled out from under there, soaking wet. Water running now. None of this got wet in the other flood. Now water's cascading out from underneath the platform. And rolling down through this off our church office right here, rolling out through that. And when I got up... I'm looking at an insurance adjuster standing there looking at me. He walked in. And I'm soaking wet. And he looks down at his feet. I watch his eyes go. That water was creeping its way to him. And he goes, Well, I guess I might as well write that one up too while I'm here. I think he thought I did it deliberately. I really didn't. But I will tell you this. I didn't have time for any of this. And I'm worried about it. 
thinking, man, I got to finish this assignment. I got papers to write. One of them was like nine pages long. I got a paper to write. I, it's got to be in. I don't have time for this. And Tuesday, I couldn't write. Wednesday, we had church. I had to study for church. I had a Bible study back in those days. I, I, I had to do that. Thursday rolled around. Can't write, man. I got Sunday coming. I got sermons to prepare for. I got, I got people to preach to. And, and here I am, and I'm all frustrated. And here I am Saturday. It's Saturday. They're due tomorrow night. It's Saturday. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get these assignments done. Because I've had to work for the church like that all week. I haven't been able to take care of this. And did you know, I sat down. And in a matter of two hours, I completed every one of those writing assignments because it was like, it was like the whole world opened up to me. It's like, it's like, man, I started writing and I just knew what to say and I knew how to say it. I would grab resources and open the book and it would fall to the very page I needed it to be on. And I wrote papers in, in lightning speed that I got A's on. They weren't slough papers. I got A's on those papers. And I walked away from that experience. God said, you give me time. You prioritize. You give me that time. I will redeem it back to you. What should have taken me 15 hours to do, I did it in two. And I'm speaking to our hearts today. Don't say, well, I don't have time to love God. Or I don't have time to connect. There's a lot of people say, I don't have time to go to church. Or I don't have time to be a part of a connect group. I don't have time to be on the dream team and serve. I don't have time, preacher. Do you realize what all I'm doing in my life? I'm saying if you will carve out some time and say, this right here is the time I'm sowing. I'm giving God this time. The Bible promises to us that if we will sow from that resource, that God will redeem that time back to us. Because he says, whatever you sow, you're going to Praise God. I want to pray for us. Bow your heads. Father, I stand in this moment speaking to people who I know are world changers. And I am asking that by your presence, by your spirit, by your power, that you would work in our hearts to help us figure this thing out. Help us figure this formula out that, that, that our lives are, are, are made up of. Help us to figure it out. Give us supernatural wisdom. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. That we would be able to sow from this resource of time. Because we can change the world from here. Your word declares it. I pray that you will help us. That your blessing would be upon everything that we do. As your head remains bowed. If you're in this house and you say, No, Pastor, I need a fresh start. I need you to pray a prayer of salvation with me or, if I, or, or, or I need a prayer of dedication today. If you're here, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to call you forward, not going to embarrass you, not going to put a spotlight on you. Just lift a hand and say, that's me in my life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. If this is your first time to pray the prayer of salvation, please, on your Connect card, check that box. We want to talk to you a little bit just, uh, just to rejoice with you, not anything but just to be thankful for that experience in your life. If you raised your hand now, I want you to pray with me especially, but would everybody else pray so we don't put a spotlight on anyone, so no one knows whose hand went up. Would you pray, Father, I thank you right now for the work of the Holy Spirit moving in my heart. I pray right now and declare Jesus is Lord. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I ask you to forgive my sin. 
I thank you for salvation today. I dedicate my life to you because I know God raised Christ from the dead for me. Thank you for this fresh start. I praise you because you're so good. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Can we clap our hands and rejoice with everyone that raised their hand? Thank you so much.